welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer with Gene Galvin and me, I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Springer! Whoa, thank you very much. It's good to be here. Hey, uh, we start off with something kind of sad. Casey Campbell, who is our music coordinator, his father died suddenly a week or so ago. Mm. And it's especially sad. You know, people have, and I've been through it with my mom and dad, Jerry, and you have. Maria, your mom and dad are still alive. God bless them. But it's, it's, you know, sometimes people die with a horrible disease that lingers, and that's horrible. And then there's the other one. I don't know which is better or worse, where, boom, you get a phone call. Yeah, your dad just died, and he was vacationing. He was scuba diving, snorkeling, uh, diving, and anyway, it's very horrible. So Mm. uh, our hearts go out to Casey. Our prayers go to him and his family. He's in Alabama, tending to those family affairs. And I just wanted to say that Uh, the other day uh, I bought. Uh, Maria, a car. I, I've had one car pretty much my whole life, a 1983 yeah. Plymouth Reliant, and I had it since 1983. So, uh, but I bought a car the other day, and I want to, first of all, send a shout out to Sean at Joseph Subaru. I urge everybody to go see Sean. Did he give uh, you a break for and, this? Andy. Uh, <laughs> Did he say, I'll knock off $500 on this car if you mention me on the podcast? So again, I say... Did he say... (laughs) If you're looking for a car, you really... He's a great guy. (laughs) Sean. Sean at Joseph Subaru. Is that S-E-A-N or S-H-A-W-N? S-H-A-W-N. Joseph Subaru is part of the uh, Joseph uh, Otto... family kind of conglomerate and they have Cadillacs across the parking lot. I got all kinds of cars. And one Andy Held and I get uh, Jake Held's son is uh, <laughs> yeah. is one of the corporate bosses there. They're great people. Anyway, so Maria, I bought a Subaru because I'm an outdoorsy guy. And would you agree you're a climber, I'm a backpacker and yeah. a cyclist and, and and people who kayak. If you go to gravel lots, you know, gravel <laughs> lots are where you go if you're gonna go climb a yeah. a rock face or if you're gonna backpack kayak cycle in those gravel lots half the cars in them are subarus best car i've ever had was yeah. a subaru so it's a real outdoorsy <laughs> let me, kind of car let me tell you about my bentley <laughs> <laughs> hey so jerry here's yeah. what i was thinking what so i'm getting this car i maybe i didn't mention this Go see Sean <laughs> at Joseph Subaru. Yeah. yeah. He's a great guy. And this if you mention it, if no. you mention yeah. Gene's name. Here. Get out of here. Sean, this is Joseph Subaru. <laughs> hey, no, here's the deal. So I got this car, and I was thinking, man, I'm getting this because I'm outdoorsy. And then I thought, well, you know, we sometimes joke I'm outdoorsy or indoorsy, but that is actually not true because you play a lot of golf. I know that. I have played golf with you a number of times. The most time I spend in the woods is looking for my ball. <laughs> hey, that's a pretty good line. I like it. Oh, I got it. So problem. anyway, Jerry we'll is... the elevator. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> elevator comics. But uh, no, you, you're, a, uh, I think, a darn good golfer for... Uh, 84-year-old man, no, I'm kidding. But Jerry is a good golfer, so he is 
as much maybe as I am an outdoorsy guy. I spend it here and there in the woods or trails, whatever, but Jerry's out on the golf course. And sometimes, by the way, because I've done it with you, walking, with walking, not riding, not getting a cart, but walking. It gives you an idea of the kind of courses we're on. Now, sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, but here's the thing. When I have played golf with Jerry, and I have mentioned this what? once before on the podcast, this but I think it's not end worthy well. of another mention, he loves to bet every hole, Maria. He's very, and number one, he likes to bet. And number two, he is extremely, in his na- by nature, competitive, very competitive. So he doesn't want to lose any hole when he's betting. But what we do is, and I plant the idea early, because sometimes we're playing with our friend Lewis, and I'll say, Jerry, Lewis is inflating or he's reducing his score. He's like, he had like a 14 on that. He told you he had a, a four. And then Jerry starts to worry about that. And then he starts to ask me, well, what'd you have? Because he's always a scorekeeper. And I said, I had a five. And he said, you didn't have a five? The first one was next to the dumpster. The second one was in the parking lot. The third finally got you back up onto the tee. I think you had like a I memorized, 16. I memorized everyone's shot on the hole. And it and ruins the watching. game. Yeah, it's, yeah, it takes my concentration away of my own play because I have to count I love what it. you're all doing. I love it. So you're, you're like one bulging vein away from a stroke when you play golf with us. Yeah. You're out there supposedly yeah. relaxing. Yeah, well, like, that's oh. why you ask me before every game, how many strokes do you want? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I said, one is enough. Thank yeah, you. Right. <laughs> Wanted to share something. Uh, I, so I volunteer at this uh, prison. I haven't named it. I'm not going to yeah. name it. It doesn't matter. It's a prison. It's got felons in it. It's some people with some very hard situations. They're paying their dues uh, fully. And so one of the classes I teach, I volunteer at this prison, uh, you know, about an hour and 20 minutes from my home, so it's not nearby, and I teach a poetry writing class. And a guy wrote this in the poetry writing class. So think about this. This is coming from an inmate. Poem's called Freedom. I'm going home, he'd say, giving his stuff away. Been fighting my case for years. Finally got my date in court, he'd say. But he was back here today. You gotta, we got to fight for our freedom, they say, as if freedom could be fought for or slung as booty and carried away. We've been chained up, barcoded like a cache of rotting nuts squirreled away to ponder our existence. Be penitent, they say. How futile to hope for freedom from the chains, the bars, the walls, as if these silly bonds could bind us without our consent. From time to time, there's a bird that swoops over, not knowing this is restricted space, and swoops away, not knowing he has escaped. He simply pays no mind, goes where he wills or where the wind carries him, as I did in my book yesterday and last night in my dreams. That's pretty damn cool. That is amazing. So there is stuff coming out of, and by the way, there's a a book I'm reading uh, by a man who spent many years in prison. He is a poet, and he's now publishing books. poems in a book, and I may try to track him down sometime, have a brief conversation with him. But <clears throat> Because the, as you tell me, uh, you know, many of these guys are not getting out. 
That's so my mark. I mean, imagine, I'm trying to imagine what it must be like. You're sitting there and suddenly you're writing and you're dreaming and you're thinking and you must at some point get depressed and say, what's the point? This is the rest of my life in these four walls and Gina, the yard. I have a question. Um, yeah. For for these, do they like sign up for the class, or is this something that they are assigned? Or? No, they it's uh, they they're it's voluntary. Oh, cool. It's voluntary, and there are a few courses that are taught <clears throat> that are difficult to get the status. Hmm. I don't know that I care to get it or not that they get what is called good time, which means if you take these classes and complete them properly, get a certificate verified by the teacher you did find in it, then it reduces your sentence. The amount of time you put in, it reduces it a big, a bit much larger chunk of time from your sentence. <clears throat> this is not one of those. Mm. So they come, why do they come? Some. People find it fun, I suspect. Some people find it cathartic. Some people find it a way to pass the time. Some people, and I, fi I find a lot of these guys, really want to express stuff. Yeah. They just want to express stuff. They, wanna, they want voice. They want to have a voice yeah. to be heard somewhere. And the stuff gets published in the literary magazine within the prison. Two of my students are editors of that magazine. So I see all those magazines. I get a copy every time it comes out. <clears throat> Some of the poems written in this class go into that magazine. Mm. Um, I am looking for ways, and I have to have conversations with the administration to find ways to get more of these poems out and I never, it's all anonymous with me. No one ever knows who, nobody knows who wrote that. They actually wanted out with their names known. Hmm. Like any poet, like any songwriter. Sure. You don't write, it's not the tree <laughs> yeah, falling the in the forest, nobody hears. You yeah. want, it's, it's your voice and you like a reaction to your voice. Mm -hmm. Maybe recognition. Gives you purpose too. And, and man, yeah, it does. And, and per, having purpose is, uh, I have learned to them quite a big deal to mm -hmm. have purpose in my life is what you were referring to before, Jerry, about, you know, how do you spend your time? How do you yeah. keep from getting so depressed that, I don't know. Well, anyway. What, what is neat is your, literally, since I've known you, your whole career, mostly in teaching, yeah. has always been, you reach a constituency that other people, most people don't even want to deal with when you were teaching the kids in a public school system that didn't fit into the traditional routine of a, and curriculum of a school, you started in the beginning your own school. Uh, the more, um, uh, the, well, the new, new morning, morning school first and then, yeah, and, and then citywide learning community. Citywide and learning district, yeah. and, and, and Gene takes the, the kids who aren't traditional learners mm. And you say, oh, these kids are going to be lost. They're going to be on drugs. They're going to be this, that, and the other, you know, during the 70s at the time and the 80s and 90s. And, you, and he teaches these kids, and they come back when they're now adults, and they were just considered to be lost by many people, and all of a sudden, they got this great life. So mm -hmm. with all the joking we do about what Gene does, he, he touches people that... I don't know that I would have the the drive to do that, and that's very admirable. I appreciate that, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, no, come on. No, yeah. stop. But I, I still, by think, the way, but I still think your crap is an EP. Well, I, 
And you notice I never argue that point. Yeah. Yeah. Get him, Jerry. And by the way, uh, because I chose that kind of life, and I've loved that kind of life, I haven't uh, made as much money as some other people. So again, I want to mention <laughs> Sean <laughs> at Joseph Subaru in Florence, Kentucky. <laughs> Just Sean, remember, he's a great guy. Yeah, oh, really take care of Yeah. I wanted to ask you something. Um, as we are recording this, which is on March 10th, 2020, uh, the night of the Michigan primary, by the way, yeah, in this upcoming this is election. The second, this is a mini Super Tuesday. It's the second biggest day in terms of the yeah. number of delegates that are at stake because you got Michigan. Mississippi, Missouri, state of Washington. Washington. So they're... It's a big deal. Yeah. And so what we're down to at this stage, March 10th, we're down to a battle between uh, Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders. And I wanted to ask you your take on uh, Bernie Sanders, the campaign, what his prospects are, what's your analysis uh, maybe hone in a little bit on Senator Sanders, who has a huge following, by the way, including Absolutely. many people who come to uh, Folk School Kentucky, for that matter. Yeah, and he had a huge following four years ago. And, uh, you know, probably the most dedicated, well, on the Republican side, you have the Trumpians, but uh, in the Democratic Party, clearly the strongest, most uh, committed followers of uh, anyone who's running for president on the Democratic side. And he is, I can say this about him, is that he is totally authentic. And he is a self-proclaimed leader of a movement. And I think that is accurate. He says it himself. He is leading a movement. And the, the movement, has his whole life, he's been an independent Democratic socialist as he calls himself, and he has been that, and he is a leader of this movement. And now at the age of 78 or whatever he is, he's still leading this movement, and young people are really buying into it. And yet, and this is just my analysis, and when you're you're listening to this podcast, things may have changed, so... You know, never mind anything I say then. But what I'm saying now is he has no chance of being president. And the reason I'm saying that is having nothing to do with the fact that he's a democratic socialist, even though I think that's a pretty hard thing to sell in middle America right now. It's because he's a leader of a movement. And if you're a leader of a movement, you can't govern. Because a movement, in a sense, by definition, requires purity, requires total loyalty. Because if you start breaking away, if you don't follow the the rules and the philosophy of that movement it starts to splinter. And the reason you can't govern is because a movement can't compromise. 
And if you can't compromise, you can't govern. If you are required to be part of this socialist movement and the reason, for example, when Bernie is asked, who would you choose to be on your ticket, you know, as a vice president, he admittedly says, well, I'd have to find someone who was totally with me on Medicare for all, for example. So without commenting on whether those are good ideas or bad ideas, the reality is if you have to have that purity of a philosophy, you won't compromise, you won't be able to get any legislation passed because the reason you're a movement is because most people are opposed to you, otherwise you wouldn't need the movement. He recognized that most Americans are really not with him. If most Americans wanted that, there wouldn't be a need for movement. They'd just vote for it. But so he's in a situation, and I think that's why he's not going to get the nomination. And if he got the nomination, he wouldn't be able to, probably wouldn't be able to win the election, and he certainly wouldn't be able to govern. Why do I say that? There's a significant part of Americans, forget Republicans, but there's a significant part of the Democratic Party, and particularly people that live in the South and in the Midwest, and as we're seeing African Americans, that don't want that philosophy, that don't want that. And so what they might do, let's say there's someone voting in this general election, who, and there'll be a lot of people, who just can't stand the notion that, you know, realizes America can't have another four years of Trump. So they don't want to vote for Trump. So they would end up, some of them, voting for Bernie, but they will then vote for a Republican senator or Republican Congress to make sure that he can't get through all the socialist things he wants to get through. So... We, you know, the advantage of that would be you got rid of Trump, which is what the, peop the Democrats want, but yet to make sure that it doesn't go too far to the left, the people in the middle of the road, the independents, moderate Republicans who will agree not to vote for Trump, but they'll vote for a Republican congressman and a Republican Senate. So we won't win the Senate. We could lose the Congress. And in any event, if one of those bodies is Republican, it, it, the things that Bernie is talking about has exactly zero chance of getting through. So that's why Bernie can't be president, even if you love everything he's saying. You know what you want. You want what Bernie is saying, what Bernie wants. You're committed. But now step back and see how is that going to be achieved. It can't be achieved. That is the reality unless he gives up being a, a movement. He can decide, you know what, I will start compromising, which is a little bit what Elizabeth Warren did and got some of the people on the left upset with her. So I said, well, okay, maybe we don't need Medicare for all. Maybe we can have a public option. You know, they'll start compromising, and that will get the people on the left totally upset. But if they don't compromise, nothing gets passed. So to Bernie Sanders, he's done a great 
He's done a great job and performed a great thing for the Democratic Party and for our country because he has his movement has moved the Democratic Party a little bit to the left. We're starting to talk about things we never would have talked about before. So this movement has been an incredibly positive force. But as long as he stays a movement which demands no compromise, there is no way that what he wants can come true, either because he won't be elected, or if he is elected, we will have a Republican Congress and a Republican Senate. ask our musical guests to come back up. Um, again, folks, this is uh, some world-class keys playing that we have here. We've Blues Artist of the Year 2019 at the Cincinnati Entertainment Awards, and not to mention he's also inducted into the Boogie Woogie Hall of Fame. Folks, it is Ricky Nye. Yeah. All right. So I'm going play this tune of mine, and uh, it's called Lord, Lord, Lord. And I gave a CD of it. To, uh, it was on the first disc I made, um, and a friend of mine, he said, oh, this is a church tune. I really like church tunes. I said, no, it's about uh, a conniving woman who weasels a guy into getting married and then takes all his money. <laughs> so, not, not really a church tune. So here we go. <laughs> Like you said we would Thank you, folks. 
Ricky Nye. You guys, that's Ricky Nye. Uh, his website is www.rickynye.com if you want to hear some more music. Ricky, thank you again for being on this podcast. We're so lucky to be here listening I'm, to you. I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Will you I, uh, do us a favor? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I just had one, uh, one question. Uh, in words, how do you... How do you define boogie woogie? In other words, is it a part of jazz? Is it blues? Is it yeah? It's, if someone said, "Oh, you said I do boogie woogie," and I'd ask you, "What's that?" I mean, when I hear it, sure. I know it. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's quick music. There's no slow boogie, mm-hmm. um, and so it can swing or it can it can rock, uh, you know, on the beat. And uh, it's usually like a left hand uh, eighth note sort of a rhythm, you know, like. And a lot of times it's a 12-bar blues form, but you can make a you can make a boogie woogie out of a tune. You know, like I play San Antonio Rose boogie style or the yeah. tune Margie. It is like a boogie woogie style, but that's pretty much in a nutshell okay. what okay. it is. Okay, nice. That was good. I wish we had it all night so we could uh, hear you play those for us. We're gonna have him back. We're gonna have him oh, back yeah. a couple more shows, so maybe yeah. we can explore awesome. that some more. Um, Ricky, would you do us a favor and take us out on Down by the Riverside? Yeah. Will you let Jerry take a verse? We love this rendition. Oh, yeah. yeah. Down by the riverside, down by-